Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Links and Locks Podcast. Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Links and Locks Best Bets Podcast. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is Ben Everell, sitting like <laughs> way too close to me right now. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Media Hotel in Rochester, New York, site of this week's PGA Championship, where we will crown a winner at Oak Hill Country Club this week. Ben, you were like, seriously, like our, our look, knees are almost touching. This yeah, but look, if, if you could stand around, close. we can't right now with the camera, but we're actually in the room where they try to, you know, get you to have your wedding here at this hotel in Rochester. <laughs> It's like ten by like, ten. Oh look, no. I mean, what I'm saying is they try to teach. They, this is the stuff where they show you. This is the type of flowers we have. It's like where they have the meeting with the with the prospective bride and groom, and they sit down. They decide, you know, what it's going to look like. So I'm feeling very lovey, is what I'm saying, mate. Well, yeah. you and I may uh, may come together with our vows on a winner. Winner of this class. Slowly, like that. Cheers. 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 All right. Having a good week. Right. Have a good cheers. week, everyone. Cheers to the hotel bar, which is. And oh, cheers. Going well so far. To my mate getting victory last week. Let's talk a little bit about your mate, Jason Day. I believe all it took was for you to not back him. Yeah, correct. For the first time all year for Jason Day to finally get that elusive 13th career PGA Tour win. First in just over five years. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you know from Jason's win. So full disclosure, um, and I feel bad actually because I'll tell you guys out there, Prior to the start of the Nelson, Sobel did talk to me about Jason. He said, I really like Jason next week. And I said, look, mate, you know, I've just we've just I've just picked him at Wells Fargo as Mr. Cut. I need to talk to him. I haven't talked to him yet. I just want to make sure he's sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, you know, make a play on that. And we I didn't get to talk to him prior to you making your picks and me making my picks or anything. So we kind of left him out. Then I did speak to him prior, and he was very confident, looking very good, and he gave me good vibes. So you know, in my later stuff, I will say this I, online at golfbed.com and pjtour.com. I did have Jason. I also drew him after the first round and on Saturday night said, pick Jason, pick Jason. So I just was late to the podcast. Here. Yeah. So apologies to the listeners out there. I didn't get it out there for you. I just wasn't that confident until I spoke to him after the miscut. 
So I said two things about Jason last week. One was I want a an investment on Jason Day. Yeah. I don't want it at 16 to 1 mm-hmm. for a guy who hadn't won in five years. And look, look, I'll take the L on that. I, you know, it's yeah. I like him. I don't like him at that number. It's way too short. And so you don't play him. Sometimes you get burned by not playing a guy that you want because the number isn't right. You know what? If that's the case, fine. Uh, I'll I'll take the L on that. And I just didn't have any shares of day there. But I also did say on the pod last week because Jason had finished 51st and missed cut yep. at TBC Craig Ranch in the previous two editions of the AT&T Byron Nelson. And so when I said about that, the fact that he's going back, now that he's playing well, he's in the PGA Championship. He doesn't have to worry about qualifying for anything. Yep. The fact that he's going back there makes me think there's something in that golf course that he really <laughs> likes. Because why else would he go back without having a top 50 in the two previous years and a major coming back coming up the next week? Well, essentially, yes, he did like the way it, it, it looked for his game. He liked the way he was hitting it, and he wanted to maintain the momentum. And to be perfectly honest to everyone out there, he was looking to peak this week. Wow. And he's just gone a little early on that. But what I'm really excited about is, I mean, look, there's so many storylines. Obviously, it was on Mother's Day that he won. Yep. Very emotional for him. But to get it done, shooting such a low score on Sunday. Yeah. And look, I know it wasn't the biggest field we've had this year, but there were a lot of guys in contention. Mm-hmm. We had six people tied for the lead at one point, another five within one shot of the lead at one point on the back nine there. It was there to be taken and he took it. He did. And that's old school Jason Day. The vertigo comes up when he's under pressure, under stress. Mm-hmm. That was pretty stressful. He got it done. I'm not only expecting that this will be that, that that's obviously a big moment for him, but I actually expect it'll open the floodgates once again for Jason Day. So two things about that. First of all, uh, for years, I have talked to players about, okay, you want to do the tiger thing. You want your game to peak four times a year. How do you do that? My favorite response I ever got was from Jason day. This is probably 10, 12 <laughs> years ago where I said, Hey, do you want your game to peak four times a year for the majors? I said, yeah, of course I do. How do you make that happen? He looked at me and just shrugged his shoulders. Like, no idea. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to not try to play well the week before a major so yeah. case in point. The second part of this is, and look, Jason has said, he actually said it at Wells Fargo the previous week. I'm going to win. And when I win, it's going to come in bunches yeah. twice in his career, 2015, and 2016. He won in back-to-back starts, just throwing it out there. Maybe, maybe Jason day with that monkey off his back can play some good golf. This week, before we get into our plays, as always, 18 picks playing 18 holes. As a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets, must be 21 or older. Offer available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text one 800 Gambler Benny, let's get to the first tee at Oak Hill Country Club. Right, I'm and ready. We, just, we have just spoken about the man. I'm gonna give you my first outright pick. That's it. It is Jason Day. All right, I'm going back to the well because, as you mentioned, he is no stranger to playing well back to back weeks. It's been a long time. It is a big ask, right, to say go back to back when you've had five years between victories, but he is just pinging on all the good metrics that you need to be here this week. Um, and, and also like he's just in such confident and good space. Now he does that mm-hmm. pressure is off. The gorilla is off the back, so to speak. And look, he's won the PGA before 2015. I've got him at fifth in scoring average, 17th greens in regulation, seventh stroke game total, 11th strokes gain putting 12th tee to green, 
17th in approach, 29th off the tee, 30th around fair, the greens. Fair, fair. And also, he was T8 here 10 years ago. Now, we didn't get into this yet, and actually this will be say where we should do this right now. Okay. Because here's what happened for me. I went, I decided, and have been deciding for weeks, um, how am I going to figure out who's going to play well at Oak Hill, right? It's been, we don't play there every year. We don't, we don't come here. Mm-hmm. But we did play here 10 years ago. I was here that, that week. I was too. I remember nothing about it, by the way. Well, I can give you... Were you hanging out that week? Mm, yeah, maybe. A little bit, probably. Okay. I was definitely... I was back in the Aussie job then, so I was very focused on day and squad sure. or whatever. Yeah. But it, here's what I'll, I'll... This might tweak your memory, which is where there are comparisons. Now, look, 10 years, different course, though. Right? This mm-hmm. is the thing we have to we have to remember, right? They've, re- they've, redone, the, they've yeah. redone the greens. They've redone the bunkers. Mm-hmm. They've taken out trees, and they've allowed it to become more friendly for the bombers, etc. But I still think we might have some parallels to what happened ten years ago, and this is what happened: Tiger Woods won the week before. Tiger Woods was a four-to-one favorite committee. Won at Akron for the mm-hmm. eighth time. Okay, everyone's talking about how he, he and he hadn't won a major in five years. Right? right, that major season we'd already seen awesome things where we'd had Adam Scott won the first Masters for Australia, mm-hmm. big deal. Justin Rose won a major for the first time, which was, you know, something well-deserved. Tiger had won the players. I remember all those very clearly. Phil won the Open. So we had this awesome season. And then it was just, and it was, the script was written. Tiger was going to win the PGA at Oak Hill. Right. Uh, Instead, we got a scruffy-looking Jason Duffner, who, to be fair, was 21st in the world, was a ball-striking machine, was doing all these great things. But it was, that's what we ended up with. We ended up with Duffner, Furyk, um, Adam Eric Scott Stenson. was sort of there, Stenson. Yeah. Yep. I think Jonas Blixt was fourth, right? It was, it just, to me, I feel like we're mirroring the scenario where we've got these straight up favorites in Scheffler and Rahm, everyone's talking about. They they should mm-hmm. probably play really well. The Tiger didn't do that last time. Yep. And then you've got all this value in inverted commas and guys in the 20 to 30 to 40 to 1. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think, I don't know about you, but that's where I've sort of got my focus this week i um, i agree with that uh first of all my main takeaway from this is that uh jason's win in rochester if he likes jason day mm-hmm. coming off a jason duffner win i, I just feel like there's a good spot for jason <laughs> i may never leave yeah uh the second part of that is you're not wrong about that 20 to 1 to 41 range uh i, I tend to start off with a guy who's a bigger number yeah and so i'm gonna go to the second hole give you my Long shot out, right? There's a few different names I could put in here, but I'm going to read to you from my preview this week because uh, I can read it better than I can say it here and explain it. (laughs) Uh, During the initial stages of Tiger Woods' physical decline, I was often asked what professional golf would look like once he was no longer competitive. My answer at the time was that there wasn't, will never be another Tiger waiting in the wings, but that his dominance would essentially be shared by a group of elite players, whether that would mean five or 10 or 20 or more players. That's largely... Now, what we're witnessing, as you could basically stare at the first 15 to 20 names on the on the board this week and have a difficult time discerning between them and figuring out who you want to play. Now, I'm using all of that to get to the main point here, which is, you know, okay, it makes it tougher with the parody, and I get that John Rahm's really good, I get that Scotty Scheffler's really good, but it makes it more difficult with the parody that, okay, you've got all these other guys, the next tier grouped in there, that yep. range we were just talking about. Yep. What I found is that the guys, I call them third tier or whatever yeah. they might be, those guys are all of a sudden falling to a much bigger number. Mm-hmm. And so there is some 
equity in playing a guy who's got a bigger number next to his name. And I'm going to start this out. Look, I, there's a few names that intrigue me. I could throw Gary Woodland on this list. Yeah. Tom Hoagie's got a massive number. He was number one in strokes gained on approach shots before uh, last week. He's now number two, but I mean, we're talking about a whole chilly week. Guy from North Dakota is not going to be too worried about that. He's got a he's got a little Duffner kind of vibe to him too. Massive. Yeah. But the guy I'm going with here for a, a long shot outright because we know he can win this thing. He's done it in the past. We know when he plays his best golf, it can stand up against anyone else uh, who's a good player. Keegan Bradley at 90 to one. All right. Former winner of the championship. Exactly. I can see that. He, he, to one. He's won a major. He's won a WGC. He's won a playoff event. He won the Zozo last year. Season. There's yep. a, a lot of what a lot of big events that Keegan's beaten, not just like pretty good fields, but like the field, like everybody. Yeah. He's beaten really good players. And so there's some win equity there. Again, this is not a play on I think Keegan's the best play of the whole thing. It's I think if I'm going to play someone who's 90 to one, let me play a guy with a massive ceiling because guess what? If he finishes in sixth place, doesn't cash the bet. Yeah. This is just for an outright play. I like him for an outright. Mate, oh, I'll go third. I'll go to my long shot because it's 90 to one as well. Yeah. And I've got a guy who's not far removed from winning. Um, Canadian Corey Connors. Oh, that's a really good one. Right. So like, yeah. So yeah. again, I'm talking about, we were talking about the Duffner 10 years ago clones. And that's where I said, this is where I'm sort of starting to trend. I looked at his numbers from leading into this mm-hmm. event 10 years ago. Yep. Got all his ranks, got all his numbers in the stroke games metric, got all of that and found comparative players. Um, with that caveat that I spoke about, they've changed the course. But I still like the idea that that type of player should play reasonably well here. Um, and when you see that number, 90 to 1, for a guy who does stripe it, it's 20th off the tee, 17th tee to green, 15th approach, 10th in greens and reg, 27th in total. That's pretty decent, 90 to 1. As a long shot, I think that uh, there's a little bit of value there for Corey I've, Connors. I've got no problem with that. Look, yeah. Connors is the prototypical, you know he's going to ball strike it. If he gets hot with his putter, and who knows if and when it's ever going to happen, but yeah. if he gets hot with his putter, he, he can do some damage. We've seen it in major championships. He's played really well at the Masters the last four years, so uh, we've seen him play well. All right, I'll go to the fourth hole here. Top five play, and I'm going to go with a guy that, look, I've already got some outrights on him as well. I just didn't want to list too many outright, so I'll I'll knock him back a peg. I've got a number two in my ranking, but Xander Shoffley is just set up to play really good golf this week. I, I'm looking at a trend, and the trend has nothing to do with Oak Hill itself, Ben, but the trend that I'm looking at is the last three PGA Tour winners, Tony Finau in Mexico, Wyndham Clark at the, Quail, at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, and Jason Day last week at the Nelson. What they all have in common, they were all playing great golf. It's not like they just had one good week. They were all playing winning golf, essentially, for the whole season and all of a sudden popped on the leaderboard and played their best golf for a singular week. Xander Shoffley is one of these guys. So is uh, my favorite outright that I'll give you later in the show that (laughs) uh, you and I have talked about that I think we're going to have the same one. Uh, These guys have been playing really good golf throughout the year and don't quite have the results. This is what we call in the business the quote-unquote positive regression that it's a term I don't love because it sounds like an oxymoron yet. I can't find a better term to use anyway, so we're going to go with the positive regression. It's not like Xander's played bad, had bad results. He's actually played really well and had pretty good results. He's due for one of these really good results. I can see it coming this week. So I've got him top five at plus 400, but look, if you want to jump on the 18 to one for outright instead, I've got that as well. All right, well, if you're going on top five, I'm going to give you value for a top five. You're talking about guys who 
have been playing pretty decent. Uh, what about the guy who was runner-up last week and is still 1,100 for a top five in Siwoo Kim? Ooh. Now, 8,000, 80 to 1 to win. 11, as I said, 1,100 for the top five. Now, I might be falling re- victim to recency bias, but actually, here's what shocked me. We've always known him as the rocks and diamonds type player, right? Mm-hmm. Great one week, yep. crap the next. He's only missed two cuts this year. He's been very consistent. He has been Over the last year and a half. He's consistent. Been very consistent. He won in won yep. in Hawaii, and he's he's a consistent golf runner. Only two missed cuts, as I said. He's 14th in driving accuracy, going to be important here. Mm-hmm. 25th in scoring average, 19th tee to green, 25th on approach, 23rd total. Former players winner, not afraid. Uh, and as I said, he took it to Jason last week. You know, like he was right there. He was the guy um, that I thought was the most likely behind Jason and, and crew to make a run uh, on Sunday. And it almost turned out to be the case. Um, so again, you're talking about guys who are playing well, not necessarily, you know, have won in the last few weeks, but there's there's another one that gives you significant value. And I think that um, Seawood could contend here. Benny, can I ask you a question before we go any further? Yes. Uh, what is that shirt you're wearing right now? <laughs> the International President's Cup team logo. Okay, the International President's Cup team. So far, let me think, you've picked... Jason Day, Corey Connors, Siwoo Kim. I know you've got at least one more coming. I, I just are, are we putting the whole team on this? We, you want to take Silverman and Mike Weir for something as well? Let me see here. Are there any? Very yeah, good? I just saw one. I, you, you just scrolled. You just scrolled through. There, right? <laughs> Usually when we're, we're at our respective homes, I can't look over your shoulder. Uh, you're back home in LA, I can look over your shoulder. Yes, now, there's right? one or two Yanks there. Look, but I'm definitely heavy international. All right. Uh, I'm going to go then and stick with the U.S. team. America, the beautiful. Home of the brave. Okay, I've already got Bradley and Shoffley on there. Uh, with the sixth hole, I'll go with another American and another top five play in Max Homa. I know everybody's all over Homa. The entire betting world is going to bet him down to some stupid even money <laughs> number by the time we get to LACC next month because uh, everyone seems to think he's going to play well there. And I... I don't think that's wrong. Like, I'm not saying that he won't play well there. I am saying that I think this one might suit his game just a little bit better. Wow. I, I could okay. see. I mean, there are some similarities, some comparisons to be made. And this is going to sound a little silly, Ben, but TBC Potomac at Avenel Farms, oh, which yeah. held yep. the Wells Fargo last year. Chilly, wet, thick, rough. You just got to kind of grind out a few days there. And that's exactly what he did. And, oh, by the way, Keegan Bradley was second in that tournament. Jason so. Day should have won that. He yes. checked on the weekend. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and so, uh, look, uh, naming a few players from that leaderboard isn't necessarily a bad idea. We all know Max Homa's win equity with six career titles already. Hasn't done it in major championships yet. Only one finish better than uh, 40th place. In his, I believe, 14 career major starts, but that's going to turn around. He's too good of a player for that not to change. And so I'm going to go with Max Homa, top five plus 700 is a really nice number for it. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, all right, well, I'm going to go to my one of my Yanks just to cut you off because I looked at your shoulder and see you have him. I'm going to give you a top 40 player. It's somewhat conservative. Um, but I, again, someone who might surprise a few people how consistently he's been going. But Ricky Fowler who's minus 120 for top 40. I know that's not a lot, but it's still, I feel like, a decent conservative bet. 6,500 to win as well, if you want to have a dabble sort of in the across the board. Um, I wouldn't be upset if you were thinking top 20, top 30 as well. But look, I've written in my preview, one of the real sneaky success stories of the season. He's put up nine straight top 40s. 
Nine straight. The last five, all top 20s. He's been so, a top 15 player on yeah, the PGA Tour. Know, like, he really has. He come, and like I said, he also comes up with a few of the quote-unquote Duffner stats ahead of this week. Seventh in strokes gained approach, 16th tee to green, 11th total. Former prodigies, eighth in scoring average, 31st in greens in regulation. So it was through him popping on this Duffner thing I was going down. Yep. And then let me look into it. It, it had sort of caught me by surprise. I knew he was playing okay, but that many straight top 40s and that many straight top 20s. Maybe he's really on his way back. And that is another comparison to the Jason Day scenario, mm. right? Like yeah, a guy yeah. who there's a sliding to win. <laughs> I mean, Day and Fowler, yeah. guys that are on that comeback trail, yeah. start feeling it again. They get the confidence. They get the momentum. I think there are a ton of uh, comparisons to be made. Maybe the only comparison you can't make is that Day was once number one in the world. He's won a major championship. He's been there. I think it's going to be a little tougher for Ricky to get back to that level because he's never quite been at that level. But Look, he's played great golf in majors in the past. And so I like him this week. I'm going to, on the eighth hole, I, I can recite every stat you just said there because <laughs> I'm going with Ricky as well. But I'm going to instead recite one thing you did say. I don't hate it if you go top 20 instead of top 40. Yeah. I have Ricky for a top 20 here. Look, <laughs> right. I, and as I wrote in my preview, I don't mind if you go top five or top 10. Right. No. I, I am that bullish on Ricky this week. And if you're one of those who's like, ah, I, I casually pay attention. I know Ricky's playing better, but come on, man. You've been giving me Ricky Fowler for 12 years, which yeah. I have, by the way. I've been saying Ricky Fowler for like as long as I've been doing this. Uh, I will tell you that the substance outweighs the hype these days. I, I get it. There were times when he was on every single commercial break and uh, he was, you know, laying by the pool and uh, selling insurance every time you turn the TV <laughs> on, but he's playing some really, really good golf and he fits this golf course really well. So again, top 20 at plus 275 for me, but. You want to go top five? You want to go top ten? I don't hate it whatsoever. Yeah, as I said, like uh, it just there's a lot of reasons to pick him. So yeah, um, don't be afraid. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh, okay, where are we at? Ninth hole. Ninth hole. All right. Let's see. Let me give you. Um, all right, let me give you a top ten. Cue yeah. the music. Go on. <laughs> Another international man. Another one from my uh... home country. Look, he's got two top tens in a row. We're talking about having success coming in, keeping the run going. Adam Scott. Uh, I think sixty-six hundred to win, four fifty for a top ten. You can call me a homer, as I said here, but like nobody's swinging it nicer than Adam at the moment. He's got that rhythm back to his golf swing. 
Um, he was T5 here 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so he knows, you know, the course somewhat. Obviously, they changed it a little bit. But he also, again, if it, if it runs true to form and that he only needs to putt half decently, then he'll be fine. He's also putting quite well at the moment. Uh, well, that's the <laughs> point that I was going to make to you is that I was going to rain on your parade by saying he's he's been out of his mind the last two weeks. So, yes, he's finished top 10. But is he really going to putt that way this week as well? So here's the thing. So I said, this is what I wrote in my preview. To buy into my thinking here, you have to suspend your season-long data. Yeah, yeah. Right? And and just go into the last two events. Right? Because he struggled on approach, greens and reckon driving accuracy this season. Mm -hmm. But the last two weeks, quite hollow, 32nd off the tee, 15th tee to green, 15th approach, 9th putting. Craig Ranch, third putting. I like, mean come on. Look, and if you think, fourth approach. Look, if you think Adam Scott's gonna finish he led third the field, putting, he led the week. field in birdies last week. T one in birdies last week. Okay, I I see it as value. I think he's in a good headspace. Yeah. I think he's in a in in that rhythm that he needs. He needs to sort of get the flow going. He now generally and he and he loves places that he's played well before. So even if it is a completely different course, he will in his head. Have it like, oh, I've got this place. I know this place. I will also make, not just because they're Australian mates of yours, that <laughs> I will make another Jason Day comparison that at some point when you go to these other events, when you show that, like, I want it so badly that, yeah, I'm going to go play the Nelson mm -hmm. and grind my butt off the week before a major championship, it's the golf gods pay you back. Okay. You know, okay. there's something to be said, and, and we've talked about it here on the pod. I've talked about it on my radio show that I give Adam Scott a lot of credit because – if you had asked me five years ago, I would have said by 2023, now Adam Scott's going to go hang in the Bahamas. He's going to go surfing. He's going to play the four majors, maybe eight other events that he feels like playing. And when he's not playing, and he might show up on Wednesday afternoon, and when he's not playing, you won't see him. You won't hear from him. You won't see him at all. Yep. And he is playing, and he's playing a lot of golf. He's playing some good golf. He's working hard. I give a ton of credit to Adam Scott, who, quite frankly, at this point in his career, doesn't need to be doing any of this, but he's doing it because. Well, he's got a lot of kids. Proof? He's got a lot of kids now, mate. He's got to get out. <laughs> I mean, if we're making a Jason Day comparison, he doesn't have that many, does he? Oh no, he's three, and uh, Jason has three now. Adam has three. Yeah, Jason yeah. has four, and obviously the fifth on the way. By the way, I love social media. Yesterday, when oh, like everyone's like, "Oh my God, Dash Day has gotten so old." I'm like, well, did you think he was going to get young? Like <laughs> that's kind of what happens. The cool thing for Dash, I will say, this is this is the first time he's really old enough to get it done. So. Oh, we're getting our picture taken here in the uh, hotel lobby as we uh, just the star-studded list of media colleagues walking through the lobby is uh, just taking pictures and making fun of us. All right. Uh, that's the front nine. We're going to get to the back nine in just a second. But first, a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION. To get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer, bet $1 on any game to get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we make the turn, and I always love starting off on the 10th tee with my first-round leader play. And, Benny, I'm going to give you a little nod here. Yeah. I don't like doing this. You know I should have read your stuff. Have you given me a nod here? Well, no, I, uh, I didn't name me. I didn't yeah. mention you in, in the piece. <laughs> yeah, once or twice, I like to talk about you because yeah. usually on a, on a regular basis, I like going after some long shots. Yeah, sure. Right. I was expecting you to. I was expecting a hundred to one shot here. Yeah, yeah. And, and most of us do. Look, this yeah. is a nice way to try to cash a lottery ticket, especially 
if it's chopped, if you've got three or four guys who all shoot 66 on Thursday, yeah. well, if you've got a guy at 120 to one, that's going to pay a whole lot more than the guy at 20 to one who's going to chop with those guys. Yeah. So I, I get it trying to go after a long shot play first round leader. That's what I usually try to do. But I looked at the top four on the list for the PGA Tour this season. Their names, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, <laughs> Scotty Scheffler, and Xander Shoffley. What that tells us is that, look, good players, they play well every single day. It doesn't matter if it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And so if you're trying to find a little equity in here, I'll take the guy with the highest odds of those four <laughs> this week because I yeah. don't then necessarily trust Victor Hovland for four rounds. Correct. I, I think at some point I was – Doing my radio show from just above uh, one of the practice chipping areas uh, in the practice facility, uh, which is really the West Course here at Oak Hill, and boy, it it's gonna be really tough to go up and down. I mean, if you're <laughs> yeah. uh, look, it, I, I get it. First of all, Victor Hovland, uh, you know, it's probably overdone the fact that he has struggled with a wedge in his hands over the last few years. He's improved immensely this year. Give him credit for that, but. At some point, he's going to have to get up and down a lot. It's going to be some tough lies around there. I don't necessarily trust him, but for one round at 40 to one, first round leader Thursday, sure. I, I will say I'm I'm a little I'm befuddled. I'm flummoxed. <laughs> don't laugh at me. I can't figure out because, all right, here's the deal. Thursday morning, hold. Mm. We're going to frost delay on Monday morning. I'm so. certain we'll have one Thursday, by the way. Yeah. I talked to the local meteorologist. Yeah meteorologist mm. thursday morning frost delay very likely so it's gonna be cold the ball's not flying anywhere you don't yeah. like playing that that said i was also out there doing my show late in the afternoon and the wind started kicking up i mean it was a good club and a half to two club wind in the afternoon so i'm sitting there going well morning cold wet yeah ball's not flying anywhere but at least a little bit calmer and then in the afternoon okay warm you know and Sun came out, we're about 15 degrees, 20 degrees warmer, but that wind is getting a little harsher. And so I can't quite figure out which side of the draw that I want to be on. Yeah. I believe that some folks have mentioned, and I, I will give credit to, uh, there's a tweeter who mentioned this to me just a little while ago, James Wiley, who mentioned that uh, Thursday afternoon looks like a little less wind than Friday afternoon, and Friday morning looks a little warmer than Thursday morning, so you might want to if you're stacking for DFS purposes or something like that, you might want to look at uh, the late early draw. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that necessarily means for first round leader plays that Thursday afternoon is going to give us uh, much of a benefit over Thursday morning. I, I think, especially if there's a frost delay, they're just going to wait until it warms up yeah. a little bit. So I don't know that there's that advantage there. Well, I lost my first bet because I would have probably laid money that you would say someone like Tom Hoagie at a million to one be first round leader. I do like um, that. And yeah, and, I, and you know, he showed up the players, he can go low. Yes. So that's a guy, but I, I'm sticking solid with my usual, like you said, top of the board, first round leader for me. Give me Scotty Scheffler. That's where I think you can get, you know, value again, quote unquote, yeah. on Scheffler. Um, there isn't a stat here this week that, that is against him. Right. Like so he's a favorite for a reason. Right. He's coming in off fifth. He did not he looked to me like a guy playing with his B game most of last week. Mm -hmm. And he had a decent chance to win the tournament still mm -hmm. with that B game. And I also believe that on Saturday and Sunday he didn't get out of second gear. Like he had a go, but he wasn't like pushing it hard. Yeah. He was conserving energy and seeing where the chips fell. Um so 
it's just remiss of us not to get on, not to at least mention the favorite. I hate that eight to one or seven fifty yeah. or whatever you get for Scheffler overall. But and so with that said, I would do what I usually like to 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 say is I I'd look at him for the first round leader and stay off in the outright. If he doesn't start well, look at him outright for a comeback from there. Mm-hmm. If he does do well, great. You're on him. You you've cashed. You're ahead. Yeah. And then you can you can get further on him at this plus 600 or 500 will be if he shoots the first round right. lead, right? right? Like, yeah, um, you're not getting, you're not getting a huge return at 800. You're getting less. I know at 400, but at least you know that he's, that he likes the course and he's getting, getting going. And that's why I advocate for sprinkling your outrights further down to begin with. But if you're looking to hedge somewhere with Sheffler, the first round leader gives you that opportunity. Um, I mean, I just, I could rat look at this first stroke going off the tee, first tee to green. First greens are regulation, second good, average, <laughs> second total. Like he is just ridiculous right yeah. now. Um, and yeah, I just I feel like I know it's obviously him and Ram at the top. Sure. I don't know why, but I feel like this time I'm leaning Scheffler as opposed to Ram. Whereas at the Masters, we were correct in saying that Ram ahead of the Grand Slam in a single year. Tiger Woods in 02 and Jordan Spieth in 2015 uh one point that i'd like to make because bet 365 as we look at this and we're taping on uh monday night they are both at plus 800 so they're co-favorites at bet 365 i looked at another book earlier today this morning monday morning john rom was a half point favorite over scotty scheffler by the afternoon i looked at it scotty had stayed exactly the same but rom had jumped up a point and scotty was then the favorite over rom by a half point I would make the case, and I was asked this on the radio today, who should be the favorite if I was doing the odds making. I would say that I think I'd put Rom as the outright favorite just by, again, by a half point, just because I think his ceiling is a little bit higher than Scheffler's. But if it was a top five, top 10 prop, I think I might have Scotty just a little bit shorter than Rom because Scotty's floor is higher right now. Scotty's not finished outside of the top 12 in 13 straight events. That's remarkable consistency. So really like that from him. All right. That was your 11th all. Let's get to the 12th all. A lot of Americans. I know I broke the string there with Victor (laughs) Hovland. We're going back to the red, white, and blue, though, with a guy who should be on the Ryder Cup team this year. And that's local kid. I say that. Quote, unquote. Cameron Young. Oh, who's, yeah. I, look, I, I did the math on this, or at least did the Googling on this. Uh, Cameron Young grew up five hours away from here. This is not a home game. But he still understands sort of this style of grass, playing on bent grass greens, these kind of golf courses. Look, I, I walked this course for a little bit today, or like I, I had someone drive me around this golf course for a little bit today look that's how i roll i've known this a long time so if, if, I, if i if i look at a golf course somebody drives me i'm not i'm not using my feet not not a practice round on a monday yeah. uh <laughs> looking at it it looks like so many golf courses in the new york area that are like these great old style tracks and so cameron young should be very very um used to playing these types of courses i i'm going to list them here for a top 10 prop at plus 300 but uh, pick your poison. If you like him for an outright, you like him for a top five. You want to be more conservative? Play him for a top 20 instead. Look, obviously the guy's got plenty of game. We're looking for guys who drive it long and straight this week. That's him. Yeah, look, uh, uh, to your point, I'm sure he played a lot of events, you know, somewhere within the three-hour radius of here. You know what I mean? Like in a lot of similar courses, et cetera. So, um, and, and he will have, and I know this doesn't necessarily mean a lot, but he'll have extra support. 
like the New York crowd will know he's from New York and he'll get an extra boost from mm-hmm. from the crowd. Not to mention, I'll, I will throw on another uh, sign for this narrative street if we're walking down narrative street, uh, much like Justin Thomas, yeah. who has garnered a little bit more motivation knowing he's the son of a PGA professional. So is Cameron Young, yeah, grew correct. up at Sleepy Hollow. His dad is He'd be still a his coach. Way. Yes, yeah. uh, exactly. <laughs> I, th- I think that for those guys, maybe it just means a little bit more. It doesn't mean the other guys don't want to win, but just means a little bit more. Yeah, well, it's it becomes, you know, like it seems it seems like a silly argument to me when we always ask, what's your favorite major to a player or which one do you want to win the most or whatever mm-hmm. else. Um, I get the question. It, and I, I also get why there are different answers. And usually... In the past, if you know you took the poll, this one might fall back in. But mm-hmm. I also would not be surprised at all if you know a JT or a Cam Young, especially, put this one way up there because it is what they grew up in. It is what means something to their families and to their lifestyle and where they've been. So I think there's we shouldn't underestimate that. You're yeah. right. Yeah. The guy I'm going to go my top twenty play here in one of my the thirteenth poll now. Uh, a guy who may play against in that Ryder Cup coming up at the end of the year. Ooh. I'm going to go with Tyrrell Hatton here for a top twenty. Yeah. Plus 138, 140-ish uh, for that top 20. Again, playing well recently. T3, Wells Fargo. T5, Byron Nelson in his last two starts. Runner-up at the players. Two further top 10s this season at designated events at Phoenix and Arnold Palmer. Uh, he's also fifth in strokes game total. He's sixth tee to green. Sixth scoring average. Eighth off the tee. Thirteenth on approach. He is playing really well. Now, where am I a little worried? It's been a long time, I think, since I've seen his name pop up in contention at a major championship. Uh, oh, you got, you well, got some stats on me. Right here, as Justin Ray, stats guru from the 21st group, tweeted out earlier today, he is one of, I believe, six players who has made the cut in each of the last five majors. So the Masters this year and all four last year. Uh, he's up there with, I believe, Fitzpatrick, Scheffler. Uh, okay. Couple others, a few others. Anyway, and a look, few others. Uh, I forget who else. You know, he's got. Well, I'm looking there over your shoulder now. What's that? Five top tens in majors in his career, um, without without not necessarily doing great um, recently. Making the cut though, showing that he's still there, getting that narrative going. I said this season, really playing consistently well in big events. Right. Has all the statistics that should play well here in his favor. So I feel like actually top twenty is a conservative play. Tyrrell Hatton could threaten late on Sunday. Here. He's a guy that I never quite give enough credit to. Not because I don't like him. I really like watching him play. Not because I don't like his game, but I always feel like there might be one thing that sets him off this week. <laughs> and I don't know what it's going to be, and I don't know if he knows what it's going to be. He might come out and say, wow, I really like this place. This is fun. I'm going to really enjoy myself. I love Rochester. And then, I don't know, they might overcook his burger in you know, player dining, and all of a sudden he gets pissed off, and he's like, throwing clubs all over the place and uh, giving trees the finger this week. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, and so for a volatile player like that, it's like, oh, I just have a tough time putting my money on him because I don't know where his mindset's going to be. Oh, oh, greatest. All due respect as best as I could put that. You always, we always say that before we smash someone a bit, don't we? Yeah. But like, I don't think there would have been a, be a tougher player to caddy for than that guy, except for Robert Allenby. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, uh, the amount of times I've been walking close to Tyrrell and something, you know, he, it doesn't even have to be that bad of a shot. Yeah. But the the quick vitriol that goes towards that, <laughs> got to have the thickest skin ever because 
and I think that they know. I think that the um, it's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah, I think so too. He's got now got Bo Martin on the bag, who uh, used to be on Shane Lowry's bag, and of course mm-hmm. looks like Shane Lowry in thirty <laughs> years. So for whatever that's worth. All right, let's get to the fourteenth hole. You've already accused me of trying to play Tom Hoagie in a few other spots, so I'll play him here for a top forty. And yeah. quite frankly, I like Hoagie a lot better than this. Yeah. Uh, he just. He, as I said earlier, he's got some Duffner vibes to him. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that is a very, very good ball striker. He's just a plotter. He's a plotter. But we also often think of plotters as guys who, ah, they don't make too many mistakes. They'll just kind of go about their business. Hope can go low. We saw a 62 on, in the third round of the Players' Championship this year. This guy can play. He's plus 175. Uh, if you want some other names there for top 40s. Uh, I'll throw Adrian Moronk in there, which I, oh, yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people parachuting in for the week. Yeah. Don't know Moronk that well. He won the French Open a couple of weeks ago. And then I get to name an Aussie that Benny didn't name. I thought he got them all. Cam Davis oh, he's for eight, a top 40 eight, as well. He so pops like up it. on the metrics. So there you go. Yeah. Cam Davis. All right. Well, oh, where are we now? 15? 15. 15. I'll give you an Aussie that we haven't mentioned yet. And I haven't mentioned in a while. <laughs> I haven't mentioned probably much since I had a drink with him out of the Claret Jug. But uh, wow. I think that it'd be wise to look at Cam Smith this week. And I see that at the Bet365 player markets, uh, they have a 30 or better at the minus 120 juice. I'm going to say Cam Smith off the off the back of his yeah. uh, playoff loss. By the way, too, he had a... The, the one thing I did see, and this is literally the only thing I saw um, for obvious reasons, but were the last two putts. Mm-hmm. Um, DJ's putt from the fringe, got kind of a good hop and great putt and, and went in. Uh, Cam on almost the same line... Uh, didn't get to hop over that first bit of break okay. that pushed his ball. And like I would, you, you would almost think Cam will make that putt every day of the week. It was just a little bit of luck, I think, that he didn't. Um, and he's finally looking like he's got some of his mojo and form back after having a pretty, by all reports, long, decent off-season. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I just think from what I know of him in the past, even though I have not spent any time or talked to him in a long time, uh, I think it would be silly not to keep an eye on him this week. You can't make this up, folks. You know who li- you guys listen every week. Uh, we do not talk to each other before the pod. I have listed at number 16 on my list another live player, and it's a player market bet, and it's not Cam Smith. It's the guy that beat him in the playoff yesterday, yeah. Dustin Johnson. I-, I wish that I could just admit that it's recency bias. And I said, well, he played really well the last few days, so I'm going to take him. I had DJ written down for a spot even before he started playing well at that live event in Oklahoma this past week. Look, I just started thinking about last week, big, brawny, northeast, old-style golf course. Yeah, Brooks Kepka fits too, and I don't mind Brooks whatsoever, but I really like Dustin Johnson. And, and what I really liked about him coming off that victory, not just that he won, but in the interview afterwards, and we do this thing on a radio show called Press Conference Interpretations, oh, yeah, okay. where we try to listen to players, and is it, yeah, I'm playing pretty well right now. Yeah, I'm playing pretty well right now. I mean, there's that's the same words, and it's two completely different meanings. Yeah. And if we were to interpret Dustin Johnson saying those words after the live event on Sunday, we go, oh yeah, he's playing well. It's not uh, pretty well. It's I'm playing well. I mean, it he really like sounds like a guy who uh, look, he's been doing this long enough. He knows when he's doing something pretty good, and he's doing something pretty good. Player finishing market, uh 27th or better for DJ. Come on. Come on, bet three six five. You're giving away money, and they're, they're, 
there is some comparison again i haven't been out there yet i'm going by other people's reports and people i know that have been there today and checked it out people are starting to make comparisons a bit of beth page black yeah uh now, if you remember the last major was there, DJ and Brooks were both pretty heavy in the mix there. Exactly. exactly. So if that is the case, and I'll find out more of that in the next few days. Well, that one was um, a PGA for Beth Page, was it? Mm-hmm. A few years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it was it? No, yeah. USA. No, PGA. PGA. Yeah. Yeah, right. PGA. By the way, I've I've said a few times this week that I, I think by the time the week is over, Oak Hill will be a sort of PGA championship U S open hybrid. Right. That makes sense that, you know, we won't look at it at the end of this week and go, Oh my God, the PGA turned into a U.S. open guys are, you know, shooting even par and, you know, on the leaderboard, it's not going to be like that, but it's also, I mean, we've seen PGA championships where 18 under 16 under 20 (laughs) win that golf tournament. It's not going to be that either. So it's going to look sort of, you know, sort of U S open ish, but more like a PGA championship kind of in between the two. So you kind of say like kind of like the players? <laughs> think nothing could ever top the fifth major. Uh. Hey, this is Action Network audio director Matt Mitchell inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear that's built to last. And our folks at Shady Rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, Even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. 17th. I get to go first. You get to uh, go first. We've been, yeah, but we've been talking about this for weeks. Yeah, we have we been, we we have been and as I said, regular listeners will know we're not just piggybacking off the bloke who won last week in a random place of all places. What was that? Home team, hometown, home event back yeah. in Korea. Yeah. We're going with Sung JM. Now, let me give you some similarities to Duffner again. You know what? Sung JM is 30 to 1. Duffner, 30 to 1. Okay. Going into that. Okay. There's okay. one omen there. But very similar type of game to like that is to me like the modern, that's the guy, right? That is playing like Duffner played back then. He's 12th off the tee, 14th tee to green, 10th total. Driving distance is 105th. Just like Duffner was mid mid tier stuff, like yep. they were both not long mm-hmm. but not short, right? Right, like sat right in the middle, and their driving accuracy was great. Yep, Tim's 20th in driving accuracy. Yes, his approach game, the number 60 is a little misleading because last year he was like 24th or what in the year before that, and the year before that, he's a little off in the approach this year, but in the events where he's played well, he's been right up there, right? Yeah. So if he's on, he's on, yeah, and that doesn't go away, he's a machine. 
Um, so look, he's a proven iron player. He's ninth in scoring average on tour. Uh, I just have been sort of gung ho pointing this way for a month at least. Uh, he, his game just trends towards what this course did a decade ago and what should, even with the changes, still play well here. So um, that's why another international man, Sungjae Im for me, is a big, big hope. 18th all, Sungjae Im <laughs> out, right? I, look, we, we've talked about this yeah. for uh, for a few weeks now. But, yes, you and I have the exact same play for our favorite outright this week. What happened the last time we had the same outright? That was Tony Finau in Mexico three weeks ago. was a little, not as not as big of a pick. No, but that's another yeah. omen, maybe. I go back to what I said about Xander Shoffley at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, We said about Ricky Fowler as well. When the guys are playing really well, and we've seen this, Finau three weeks ago, Wyndham Clark two weeks ago, Jason Day last week, all of them were playing really, really well. They were trending in the right direction and finally played their best golf and won a golf tournament. Sunjay M has been playing really, really well. He's gone seventh, sixth, Eighth in his last three PGA Tour starts, and as you mentioned, one in three of this past weekend. He is uh, he's gained sh- strokes with his approach game in five of his last seven starts. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, sixtieth with the iron play, but that's gotten a lot better. Uh, I like everything about him this week. I think I think he those numbers that you mentioned, and again, hundred and fifth in driving distance, right about dead even on the PGA Tour. That's not short. That's 297 yards. <laughs> like, you don't need to be 330 here yeah. every drive. Like, 297 is fine. Especially if you're accurate. 297 yeah, driving accuracy. Yes. Yeah, don't, don't be short and crooked or medium <laughs> length and crooked. Short and crooked is no way to go through life, kids. Uh, medium crooked isn't at a PGA championship either, but he is uh, medium length, uh, which is long enough. And he is straight off the tee, which I think is a huge benefit. Like, everything about it. Uh, he is a much better chipper and putter than I think he gets credit for. 100%. I go back to the 2020 November Masters. And uh, look, there's something to be said for that event being a little bit of a comparison to this one as well. 2020 November Masters, where he finished runner up to another guy that I just mentioned a minute ago, Dustin Johnson. So, like that as well. Yeah. Again, we're just repeating the same things here because we both like him. But like I said, I, I, yeah, he's not. Top level putting, not top level chipping. But again, I'm going back to the Duffner scenario. Neither was he. Yeah. He hit it well enough that just mid range putting, mid decent average chipping was enough to keep him in contention and then ultimately win this tournament 10 years ago. So um, that's the same for all those guys, right? I, I, I tried, tried this one out a lot on Adam Scott, but I remember a few years ago, I went back and looked at the times when whenever he finished in the top 25 in strokes game putting, mm-hmm. his result in the tournament was top five. Like, mm-hmm. So yeah. just just be in the top quarter or whatever it was, or, you know, the top 20% right. in putting for the week. And he was such a good ball striker that he was guaranteed to contend, win or contend. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens with these guys. If they just putt on the average, they're going to be contending. If they putt above the average, they're hard to beat. The other thing I've said about Sanjay is that I believe he's on a level that's equivalent to, okay, maybe not the Xander Cantley Finau level, but I would put him right there with a Colin Morikawa, with a Jordan Spieth. I think he's he's pretty close to that. Not Doesn't mean he's got the resume, the pedigree, everything else that goes with it, but I do think that just talent level, but his price isn't the same on a regular basis as those other guys. 
because he hasn't won as much as those other ones. It's going to happen. He's got two wins on the PGA Tour. A lot of those other players I mentioned have majors already. They've won uh, many more times than he has, but it's coming. Sunjay's Sunjay's coming. He's going to win. He's going to win big events. And I think this is a perfect spot for him. Now, I know we don't usually, look, it's not your radio show, and we're usually just picking bets here. But I want to, for international listeners, and I know a couple of the Aussies out there like to listen, I just want your thoughts on two guys we both have steered completely clear of. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned one in speed. Yeah. Coming off the WD. Um, and we did not mention Rory McIlroy one time in this podcast. So tell me, just give the listeners your take on those. Uh, to me, the two biggest X factors in this entire tournament. First of all, I am less optimistic about Jordan Spieth. Uh, let me hear from him. And so yeah. uh, Colt Nost, our colleague, uh, mentioned on the radio earlier Monday afternoon that Jordan was coming in Monday night. I don't like that he's getting in late, certainly, <laughs> yeah. that he hasn't seen this place yet. And I certainly don't like that at a place with thick, juicy rough mm. and a guy that doesn't drive it very straight in the first place, mm. he's going to come out here and uh, just, hey, let's see what we got and see if the wrist holds up. <laughs> uh, so I'm not very optimistic about Jordan this week, if indeed that wrist is as bad as he's making it sound. That's for Rory McIlroy. Look, would it surprise you? All right, two questions. First question, would it surprise you if Rory McIlroy won by five this week? A little, but not really. Would it surprise you, second question, if Rory McIlroy missed the cut by five this week? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's my point exactly, yeah. which is, uh, look, we talk about ceilings and floors. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Rory McIlroy is like a skyscraper right now. And he's going all the way to the basement. And you've got that, uh, you know, you've got 40 floors in between the top and the bottom. We will hear from him as you're pointing on your screen to me right now. Uh, Tuesday morning, by the time most people are listening to this podcast, Rory McIlroy will be speaking to the media at 9 a.m. Although, quite frankly, Betty, I, I'm not sure there's anything Rory's going to tell us. Unlike Jordan, where I want to hear from Jordan. I want to hear, how's the wrist? How's he playing? Is there anything he can't do? How's the, the prep bid for this? Has he played at home? Uh, Rory, I'm not sure there's a question you can ask Rory right now where he's going to tell you, like, kind of give it up, give you a little hint. I will say... He's a member here at Oak Hill. He's seen this golf course probably more than anyone else since the changes a few years ago. Okay. Uh, his wife grew up around here. The The in-laws still live, I think, about 10, 15 minutes away. So maybe there's a little bit of an upper hand, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. As I said, that's uh, Royce, it smacks to me as you said he's not going to say much. Don't you get the feeling that he wants to say something? He just It's not the right setting. I get the feeling there's something going on, not just golf, in Rory's existence. Hmm. And I get the feeling that he wants to get some things off his chest, whatever hmm. it may be, but hasn't been given the right place to do that. Hmm. Um, it's just the feeling I'm gra grabbing. So Interesting. It'd, be, it'd be keen to talk to the few of the guys who are much closer to him. Um, and again, not not prying, not anything like that, but I just, I just, just, just has that feeling that, uh, and look, I go. The reason I say this is obviously we talked about the guy who won last week, very close to Jason Day. Like yes. I knew, I I knew for years about his mother's health and knew things were coming and whatever. And people asked me, "When's he going to be back?" And I knew that she was still sick again. And I would say, "Oh, he'll be back." Mm -hmm. And I knew that was going to take, uh, you know, closure in that part of his life right. before he could really turn the corner. Um, I don't know. It could be. I could be completely misreading this, but I just feel like there's something with Rory, like that he's just not quite comfortable with in his existence and he needs to get whatever that is on track. And maybe he has in the last few weeks. And then if he does, 
it'll be like lights out again. Let's go. Yeah, it's a good point. I I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> what I do know, Benny, is that our beers are empty. We're going to go <laughs> refill them. So that's it for the podcast tonight. We thank everybody out there for listening to this special PGA Championship edition of the Links and Locks podcast presented by Bet365. Remember, you can find our podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and listen every single week during the PGA Tour season. I, For Ben Everell, who's sitting way too close to me still, I cannot <laughs> wait to just walk away from Benny. Ugh. Moving my chair over already. For Ben Everell, I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks, everybody, and good luck with your picks for the PGA Championship. Here's up and you! Hit the green! Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.